Thank you, choir and orchestra. The Apostle Paul was writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, describing what the world would be like at the end of time before Jesus returned. One of the things he said was that they would hold to a form of godliness, although they have denied his power. Now, as Paul is describing the world as it will be in the last days, they will have the form, but they will not have the substance. I think that what he means by that is that there might be those who refer to themselves as Christians, but there is no demonstration of the power of God. They may see themselves as being spiritual or religious, but there'll be no demonstration of the purpose of God. How does that happen? How does that happen to the church that it loses its power and it loses its purpose? Well, I think one reason that happens is because we stray from, we reject or we ignore the fundamentals of the faith. The very foundation on which our faith was built that we move away from that foundation. I think that is one of the reasons the Lord has given to us the ordinances of the church. He's given us two because they take us back to the fundamentals. They take us back to the foundation of our belief. For instance, baptism. Baptism reminds us of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. So baptism then takes us back to the fundamental. The Lord's Supper reminds us of the sacrifice of Christ. And when we receive the bread, that symbolizes his broken body and the juice symbolizes his shed blood. So I think that that is probably the reason that the Lord, at least in part, gave, gave to us these ordinances because it takes us back to the fundamentals of the faith, to the foundation of the faith. Now today we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We do it with our homebound members. And as we participate in the supper here, we have deacons in the homes of our members who can no longer attend, and they participate with us. They take the elements to them. So take your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 22, and we'll begin reading in verse number 14. And when the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Now you recognize that, that Jesus here is establishing the Lord's Supper. As we look at the text, we see that the Lord's Supper is a requirement. In verse number 15, he says, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. 
Albert Barnes wrote, he particularly desired it that he might institute for their use and for the edification of all Christians the supper which is called by his name the Lord's Supper. So he said, I have desired to eat this with you, but it is more than a desire, it is a command. In verse number 19, he says, do this in remembrance of me. So the Lord then has given to us two ordinances in which we are to participate. Baptism, I've already mentioned. My friend, if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, then it is expected from the Lord that you will be baptized. Just as we witnessed earlier, as a matter of fact, I believe that in the New Testament that the public confession of faith was baptism. Now today we walk the aisle and most people see that as being the confession of faith, but I believe in the New Testament that the confession of faith, the public confession of faith was baptism. So you are expected to be baptized. You also are expected to participate in the Lord's Supper, though there is a hesitancy to do so by some. Why is that? Why do some Christians feel that they should not participate in the Lord's Supper? Well, it's probably a misunderstanding of this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 29 and 30. Paul wrote, For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason... Many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. Well, that's, that's a little overpowering, is it not? Those who eat and drink, there are some who are weak, there are some who are sick, and there are some who have died. So there are those who come to that verse of Scripture and say, well, I'm, I'm not going to participate in the supper because I don't want that to happen to me. It reminds me of the story of Teddy Roosevelt when he was a child, he said that he was, he was scared to go to church. Well, his mother quizzed him as to why he was frightened about going to church. And as she did so, she discovered that he was concerned about a beast in the church whose name was the zeal. The pastor had read John 2, 17. It is written, the zeal of thine house has eaten me up. So Teddy Roosevelt was concerned. He was fearful of going to church because the zeal of thine house has eaten me up. Well, that's obviously a misunderstanding of the verse. And sometimes we misunderstand the verses that I have just read. We say, I am not worthy to participate in the Lord's Supper. I am not worthy. And the truth is we are not. But it is not speaking of your worthiness. It is speaking of your attitude. When you come to the Lord's table, when we come to the Lord's Supper, we are to have the correct attitude about the Supper and its purpose. So it is a requirement for those who know the Lord. Well, what is the reason for the Supper? Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So the purpose or the reason for it is to proclaim the death of Jesus. There are 22 sermons in the book of Acts. All of them have the same message, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. 
Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He was the unblemished lamb. Judas betrayed him, but declared him to be innocent. In Matthew 27, 4, he said, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Pilate agreed to his crucifixion, but Pilate said that he was not guilty of anything. In John 18, 38, he said, I find no guilt in him. The apostle Paul said that he was without sin. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus then is the perfect sacrifice. And through his sacrifice, we are cleansed of our sin. It is by his sacrifice that we are cleansed of our sin. Past sins. Isaiah wrote, I have wiped out your transgressions like a thick cloud and your sins like a heavy mist. Isn't that wonderful? As we look back and see those sins in our lives, aren't you glad that the blood of Jesus is sufficient to cleanse us from those past sins? His blood is sufficient for our past sins, no matter what you've done, for our present sin. John said the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So the blood of Jesus then is sufficient to cleanse us from the sins of the past, the sins of the present, and the sins of future. He is the perfect sacrifice by which we are forgiven of our sins. So the reason for the supper is to proclaim his sacrificial death. It is also a reminder there in verse number 19b, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The Lord's Supper is a reminder or a memorial of the fundamental truths of the faith. And God has given us memorials to remind us of his covenant with man. The rainbow. What what does the rainbow depict or what does it symbolize? Well, if you were to ask the person on the street today, that person would probably tell you that it symbolizes gay rights. No, it doesn't. God gave the rainbow as a memorial that he would never destroy the earth again with water. The Bible says in Genesis 9:13, I set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. The reason the Lord put the rainbow there is to remind you that he will not destroy the earth again with water. So when you see the rainbow, that's what it is. I think we need to take it back, but that's what it is. Circumcision is a memorial of God's covenant with Abraham that the Jews were his chosen people. In Genesis 17, 11, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin and it shall be the sign of the covenant between me and you. It's a memorial. Now in verses one through 13 of our text, Jesus is speaking about, about the Passover, which is a reminder to the Jews of God's deliverance of them from bondage and it stands in parallels with the Lord's Supper. 
for instance, in the Passover, they were to sacrifice an unblemished lamb. Jesus is the unblemished lamb, the Paschal lamb. So they were to sacrifice a lamb. Then they took the blood of the lamb and put on the doorpost of their houses. And the Bible says, when the death angel came and saw the blood, I will pass over you. So they sacrificed a lamb. When the death angel saw the blood of the lamb, he passed over. And it also is a testimony to their children. It was a teaching experience for their children. In Exodus chapter 12, when your children will say to you, what does this right mean to you? You shall say it is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians but spared our homes. So the Passover then was the means of God's deliverance or a reminder of God's deliverance and a teaching tool for their children. When we participate in the Lord's Supper, it is a memorial of His death. And parents, it is an opportunity for you to teach your children. When your children ask, what is this about? You have the opportunity of telling them that the bread represents the broken body of Christ that the juice represents the shed blood of Jesus. And so you can tell them about the death of Christ and the purpose of it. Now the Lord's Supper speaks of our relationship, that we have a relationship with God and a relationship with each other. In fact, the word communion is the Greek word koinonia, which speaks of partnership, that we are partners with God, we're partners with each other. So the word communion speaks of our partnership, that we are partners with God, we are partners with each other in His ministry. It also carries with it the idea of fellowship, that we are a fellowship of love. See, that's the reason that it is, that it is it's, it's so sad and it should not be, it should never be. When the church members are divided when they are at odds with each other because we are the fellowship of God. We are the fellowship of God's love. And so we also all should always have that unity within the fellowship. That's what community or communion means. It is to be a relationship of respect. We have a relationship with God. We have a relationship with each other. It is to be a relationship of respect towards God and towards each other. In fact, Paul is speaking in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 through 22, and he's talking about the division in the church. Now, the, the church at Corinth was an interesting church. It had all the spiritual gifts, and yet it was probably the most carnal church that you'll read about in the Bible. So they were divided, and Paul is dealing with the division that is within the church and his concern about the division within the church. And then in verse 29 he says, if he does not judge the body rightly. All right, now understand within the context, he is talking about the division that is taking place within the congregation, within the church. And he said, if he does not judge the body rightly. The body of reference here is the body of Christ. It is the church. So he is speaking about the church. 
He is speaking about our relationship to each other. So when we come to participate in the Lord's Supper, it is a reminder to us of our relationship with God, our relationship of each other, and the harmony that we have because we are a family of faith and love. The supper is a time of reflection. It is for those who have received Christ as Savior. Jesus established the Lord's Supper with his disciples. As Christians, we are to participate in the Lord's Supper. He established it. It reminds us of the fundamentals of the faith that Jesus died that we might be saved. We remember his sacrifice. Paul wrote, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And through his sacrifice, we are forgiven of our sins. Colossians 2 says, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us and which was hostile to us and he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross. The Lord's Supper also is a time when we anticipate the return of Jesus because the Bible tells us, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It is a reminder to us that Jesus is coming again. It is also a time for personal examination. Paul said, let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So folks, as we come to the Lord's table, it is a time for us to examine ourselves. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus? Have you been born again? Have you been forgiven of your sins? And are you walking with him? The reason for the Lord's Supper is to proclaim his death. It is a memorial of his sacrifice. And it is a time when we get our lives right with him. In just a moment, we're going to stand for a hymn of invitation giving you an opportunity if you need to make a decision to do so. Father, I pray your blessings upon this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You stand with me, please, as we stand together. The choir sings. You come if God leads you to. You. 